So number one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, وَذَرُوا ظَاهِرُ الْإِثْمِ وَبَاطِنَا And you must leave all of the sin that you commit, ظَاهِرُ and batin, those that you commit apparently, and those that you commit batin internally. Hukam of the Quran that we must leave all the sin that we do outwardly and inwardly. What is the name of that discipline of Islam that teaches us how to leave outward sins? That is known as ilmul halal wal haram, otherwise known as ilmul sharia, or sometimes known as ilmul fiqh. Islamic law is going to tell you. Islamic law is going to tell us that interest is haram, drinking alcohol is haram, eating pork is haram, etc., etc. And you will find a whole field of learning designed for this. And we have discussed this, if you were with us, at length in several of the earlier workshops. What is that field of learning that is going to tell us what are the batin sins? That is ilmut tiski and ilmut tasawwuf. So one, then the first thing about the sawwuf is it those books that discuss the ailments of the heart, the diseases of the heart, the inner sins that we do, those are normally known as books of zuhud, of tazkiyah, purification of the sawaf, etc. Those are books written by people such as Imam al-Ghazali and other great masters of this discipline. What are those inner sins? Take it one step further. What are those inner sins? So those inner sins are unlawful desires, anger, short-temperedness, greed, love for the world, stinginess, envy, jealousy, malice, spite, and hatred. So the Arabic equivalents for these, right? Lust is shahwa. Anger, ghazab, ghaiz. Right? What did I say next? Love for the world, hubbi dunya, hirs, greed, bukhul, stinginess, hasad is envy and jealousy, bughz and ghil is malice and spite and hatred. Then the next category is arrogance, vanity, conceit, kibr, takabur, ujub. All of these things, remember the others, these are the, largely speaking, right, the ailments of the heart. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the same verse, in the same tone, using the same form, the prohibitive form, nahi, in Arabic, it means that as prohibited and unlawful it is to engage in an outward sin, it is equally prohibited and unlawful to engage in an inner sin. Maybe another way I can explain this to you is as unlawful, as haram it is to eat one morsel of pork, it is as haram to feel a moment of hasan. Now we don't realize that, we're not sensitized to that. All of us would, you'd have to hold a gun to our head to make us eat even a drop of pork. Because we're so, we have such a heightened sensitivity to the level of sin that that entails. But we don't have that same sensitivity when it comes to the inner sins. So the first step then in purification that the soul is going to try to do is to try to heighten that sensitivity to make us view what Allah Ta'ala views as displeasing for us to have displeasure towards it. This is called that having karahat in our tabiyat 
for that which is karahat in the sharia. To make one's tabiyat muafiq to the sharia. If the sharia views something with karahat, with dislike and repugnance, then our tabiyat should also view it with dislike and repugnance. And this is one of the major reasons why we still persist in sin. Because even though we know intellectually it's a sin, you ask anybody verbally, we'll all say hasad is a sin. But our tabiyat is not that against it. As opposed to the outer sins, I mean, and specifically the crowd I'm talking to, obviously there are many Muslims who need a lot of help in these areas as well. But by and large, most of the people in this room would have a very strong tabi karahat towards alcohol and pork and interest and all of these outer sins. So in terms of leaving the zahir sin, this community that is sitting together in this room has made their tabiyat closer in conformity with the sharia. But in terms of the inner sense, our tabiyat is still very far from where the Sharia wants us to be. So the first aspect, and so we're on theory, and I'm going to have to come later to practice. For each and every one of these things, we're going to try to discuss how does the Sawaf and Tiskiyah bring a person to leave sin. But first we're on the theory. So the first element of the Sawaf and Tiskiyah is that it's the name of that branch of learning of Islam that trains a person, teaches a person, guides a person how to reduce, reduce, and then eventually eliminate the inner sins, the ailments of the heart. The second thing, the second thing is that it, it adorns a person with the sifat of the mu'mineen. Now, the first set of sifat are going to be opposites to these sins. So where there were in place of unlawful desires, it puts good desires, lawful and commendable desires and emotions in the heart. Love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, love for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, love for the deen, a desire to make oneself pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a fikr of the akhirah, remembrance and preparation for the hereafter. Haya, modesty, right? So you see, when you study hadith, you can read in Bukhari, Al-Hayau min Al-Hayau Shobatul Iman. Or another write, Al-Hayau min Shobatul Iman, that Haya is a branch of faith. That's great, you read it. You read the hadith. You're a student of hadith. The question is, does your heart have Haya? Being a student of hadith, doesn't. It, I wish it was that automatic. <laughs> right? And all of us know that. And that's exactly the community that we are. We are those Muslims who have engaged with our deen textually, such that we have read hundreds and thousands and thousands of ayat and riwayat, but our problem is that we haven't been able to absorb and implement and internalize all of that spiritually. That is what the Sawaf does. It tries to, it makes that person travel that journey. Okay, now you know the emphasis on haya. You know the fazail, the virtues and merits of haya. You know how much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves haya. How do you become a person of Haya? To inculcate these good attributes in our heart. So Haya. Other examples are compassion or generosity as opposed to stinginess and miserliness. Hilm as opposed to anger. Hilm means forbearance. To have a zarf, to have uh, forbearance means to have sabr, to have patience. In, in, in face of adversity, in face of animosity. <coughs> humility. Tawadu. Tawadu. To have humility, to be humble. Ids. As opposed to being arrogant and prideful. 
So the second aspect of the soul, this is sometimes called the akhlaq hamida, which means the praiseworthy attributes. It also can be referred to as the sifat mu'minin, which means what? It's another category of attributes, which is sabr, shukr, tawakkul, zikr, inabat, raza, zuhud, khawf, khashiyat, raja'a, tawbah, all of these different words that have come in the Qur'an. Taqwa. So you will find all of these existing in their noun form and also in the active participle form. In other words, how can we become, okay, we're amongst the mu'mineen. But there are all these other words in the Qur'an. There's mukhlisin, there's sabirin, there's shakirin, there's zahideen, there's mutawakkileen, there's tawabin, there's muqarrabin, there's muhsineen. I also want to be of that. I want all of those attributes. I want my name to be included in all of those lists. That is what the Sawf is claiming. The Sawf and Tazkiyah, the second thing then is that it adorns a person with all of the Sifat and Mu'minana that are mentioned in the Quran. Third thing, that the Sawf tries to bring about a qualitative increase in a person. Now if we were to look at that, let us look in terms of this famous hadith that is known as Ummul Hadith by the Muhaddithin. All of you, many, many of you would know it. Hadith of Jibreel. Been narrated in Bukhari and Muslim that the angel Jibreel asked the Prophet what is Iman, what is Islam, and what is Ihsan? And one or two questions about the signs of the end of time. And then when he left, the Prophet said that that was the angel Jibreel who came to teach you your deen. And therefore the Muhaddithin have called this Ummul Hadith. Just like Surah Al-Fatiha is called by the Mufassirun as Ummul Kitab. Because of this last sentence of the Prophet that this is your deen. So Iman, deen consists of what? Three dimensions. Iman, Islam and Ihsan. What does the Sawaf do qualitatively? So in Iman, the Sawaf tries to bring theory. I still have to show you all the practices that lead to all this. Theory is that the Sawaf and Tazkiyah are going to lead a person to Yaqeen in their Iman. This is a darajah. This is in the Quran. Yaqeen. Yaqeen in our iman. Absolute certainty such that it is unshakable by any doubt, by any skepticism, by any secularism, by any Marxism, by any ideology, by any philosophy, by any teacher, by any professor, by any media, by any reading, by any novel, by any book, by any newspaper, by any world event. Absolute unshakable iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Iman al-yaqeen. In the terms of Islam, Islam means a'mal al-salih. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ This comes over and over in the Qur'an. Islam refers to a'mal al-salih. Which means our salah, our zakah, our hajj, our psalm, other righteous acts that we do. What is the sawf claiming to do in that? The qualitative increase that the sawf is claiming to bring about in a person is that they become passionate in their ibadah. As opposed to sluggish as opposed to lazy, lackadaisical. They do ibadat out of passion and love, as opposed to out of obligation and duty. You all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we drag ourselves out of bed simply out of obligation, which itself is a noble thing. That itself is beloved to Allah SWT, that my servant has so much respect, so much awe for my azmat and my jalal, 
that they cannot even dare to disobey me. And just the fear of disobedience and just to honor the bondship of being my slave, they are making themselves pray out of obligation and duty. That itself is makbu. But all of you know that it's even better that not that we in our hearts should not feel that we're forced to pray or we have to pray or we better pray or else we'll be punished if we don't pray. But the real level is to pray out of love, to pray out of passion, to pray willfully, lovingly, devotedly, longingly. That is what the Sahuf claims. That it brings a person to that level. Let's say, let's just take this example in their salah. Third dimension in the hadith was ihsan. And in that the Prophet ﷺ said that what is ihsan when Jibreel asked him, Sayyidina replied that ihsan is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if you sin. To worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if you see Him. Or, secondly, if you see Him not, then know that He sees you. Or that at least you are aware that He is seeing you. So the Sawf then qualitatively is going to try to bring a person to that second level at least, that they are always and ever aware and conscious that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware of them, is gazing at them, is all-knowing of everything that they do. And then may even bring a person to the next level that is mentioned in Bukhari and Muslim and is mentioned as being part of our deen. And me and you must rise to that challenge. We are the claimants of the deen. We are the Ahlul deen. We are the Ahlul Islam. And that is to worship Allah as if you see Him. That's not going to come from a fiqh book. Right? That's going to come from this. And another way, this this asan has been understood later on, but using words that are in the Quran and, and the Quran, both words are in the Quran and also in the Sunnah, that is qurb, to experience the qurb. Now we're going to some of the higher goals of the sawaf. Or if you want the more advanced stages of the seeker on the path of the sawaf. Again, the sawaf is not something other than Islam. If I tell you the advanced seeker on the path of hadith will have already read the Seha Sitta and they will start looking at the extra hadith on the Muslim of Imam Ahmad and they'll be looking at the Muslim of Darami and the Sahib Ibn Hiban and the Sahib Ibn Khuzayma. The hadith is not Ghair Islam. Tasawuf is not Ghair Islam. The person who is advanced in their travels and journeys on Tasawuf now is going to be trying to seek out the Quranic maqam of Qurb that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in that they are the people who muqarrab, who have been drawn to the qurb of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, drawn by Allah to Allah. Muqarrab, drawn by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Qurb is one word and the second word is ma'rifat. That they will have a deep, intimate awareness and knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all of these are in theory the way that this is what the Sawa focuses on. 